FitBod is a smart fitness app that takes all the guesswork out of planning your workouts. FitBod combines the knowledge of fitness pros with a powerful machine learning algorithm to give you a workout program that maximizes your results. No equipment, no worries. FitBod has bodyweight routines for those looking to get fit at home or on the go. And one of the things that I really love about the app is you can really tailor it to your equipment, your goals. I have a shoulder that often causes me trouble. And so I can make sure that I pick the kind of exercises that are going to work for me. So I'm getting stronger, but I'm also not straining something that I shouldn't. Get a personalized fitness plan that helps you work out smarter at fitbod.me slash happier. Try FitBod for free for one month when you sign up today at fitbod.me slash happier. That's one month free when you sign up at fitbod.me slash happier. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why you might start a social issues book club and take a deep dive into a happiness stumbling block raised by a listener, the problem of flaky friends who say they'll show up and then don't. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I have been in my home office in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. Elizabeth, you never flake out on me. <laughs> That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I may not flake out on you, but I have flaked out on others. I <laughs> We've all done admit. it. We've all done it. Yes. And Gretchen, before we jump in, we got an interesting update from a listener. Adrian says, I'm a little behind, but I just listened to the episode with the try this at home idea about doing something in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement and current events. I too felt stuck about what to do or how to help. And as I thought about it, I realized one thing I can do is encourage voting and promote voter registration. So I joined Reclaim Our Vote as a volunteer by sending postcards encouraging voter registration to people in states where voter suppression and deregistration is rampant. This has helped me to focus some of my time and energy in a positive way that, at least in my mind, is not partisan but truly American. So that's a great way. We're yeah. talking about do something, and she found something. And Elizabeth, our Try This at Home is something that you found to do, which is to start or join a social issues book club. Yes. So I did not start this, but I have joined a social issues book club. A friend of mine was told about this book club, and she said it sounded like something that might appeal to you. And I immediately said, yes, for sure because we've talked a lot about educating ourselves, especially on issues of racial justice yes, and reading those books. But I thought a way to make sure I, as an obliger, yeah. read a lot is to join a book club where I have a time and a date to talk yes. about them. And what I really also like about this particular book club, well, first of all, it's a Zoom book club, I should say. It's a, right. as the times dictate. It's nobody that I know, which interests me because I always like meeting new people. And it's multi-generational. So there will be younger people in the group, which I think will be really helpful to hear the different perspectives. And is this a group where each month you choose a book together or does the group 
come with sort of a curriculum that you read through what their suggestions? How does that work? In this group, the people who started it are picking the books. The first one is White Fragility. So I'm reading that now. And then I think they'll just tell us what the book is every month. And they've hired a moderator. Mm. I believe it's a woman who has a PhD from UCLA to moderate. So I think that'll be really helpful in terms of having focused discussion. Well, and I think it's great to have somebody to help pick out the books because there's so many books now that people are talking about. It's nice to have somebody be like, well, pick this one and this is really good and this will be a good conversation. Because I think sometimes it's easy to think, oh my gosh, like, where should I start? And then that becomes kind of a decision fatigue. We're here. It's like, this is the book you have to read. Yeah. No questions asked. Yes. Oh, well, you'll have to report back to us when you get started. I will. And I think this would be a great thing for people who want to do this kind of reading and are, are, again, maybe you're obliged or you want to, everybody can benefit from accountability. It's fun to join a group for any reason. If this is a way to put your values into action, I think a lot of people are talking about, like our listener wanting to do something. This is a way to have a conversation, mm-hmm. educate yourself, get together with people who also are concerned about equality, racial justice, criminal justice, and and want to become more informed. So it seems like a very efficient way to achieve a lot of really happiness-boosting ends. Yes. So let us know if you do tread this at home and how starting or joining a social issues book group works for you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. This is happiercast.com slash 281 for everything related to this episode. Yeah. And Gretchen, I think right now when we are all trying to figure out what we can do, this is a way to educate myself, start the conversation and figure out what can I do. It's laying the groundwork. Yes. Coming up, we've got an aphorism happiness hack. But first, this break. If you're out of clean loungewear, mix things up by changing into Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants. They're as comfortable as your PJs and their professional style will make you feel like you actually got dressed for the day. Women love these pants because they fit so well. I can attest to that, Gretchen. They fit great. <laughs> yeah. Many dress pants are uncomfortable. They dig into your skin. You have the urge to unbutton them while stuck in traffic. I have done that or rip them off the minute you get home. Not Beta Brand. There are tons of different colors and styles to choose from, like boot cut, straight leg, skinny, cropped, eight pocket, and more. I have just the straight leg black ones, and I love them. They're comfortable, and they look great. Right now, our listeners can get 25% off their first order when you go to betabrand.com slash happier. That's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com slash happier. Find out why women are buying five different pairs of these pants. Go to betabrand.com slash happier for 25% off. Noom is the habit-changing solution that helps users learn to develop a new relationship with food through personalized courses. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and empowers you with the tools you need to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. Because everyone's different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyze your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers, so you have all the support you need to empower your change. Gretch, you know, I love Noom. I love all the tools it has, especially the step tracker and the weight tracker. I rely on those every day. 
Yep, you don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your trial today at noom.com slash happier. That's noom.com slash happier. What do you have to lose? Visit noom.com slash happier to start your trial today. Okay, now it's time for a happiness hack. And I love this one because, as I say often, I love aphorisms. Yeah, Gretchen, this comes from Elizabeth. She says, I have recently fallen in love with the idea of aphorisms and quotes thanks to you two. It is amazing the way one good saying can refocus your attention and set your day in the right direction. A happiness hack I am exploring is to make posters of my favorite quotes and put them in places that I see often, above the kitchen sink, in the closet door, at eye level in my office space. I find I need to remind myself of my values and combining color and beautiful wall art with my favorite quotes will help remind me of what is truly important in my life. I also love the idea of having a tablet or flip book that changes the quote based on your goals for the week slash month. Is it a season of sacrifice? Then you might need quotes related to discipline. Going on vacation? Then maybe a quote about living in the present and feeling every moment would be better. I wonder if Shutterfly would be a good way to make posters like these. I'd love to hear what other podcast listeners have done to incorporate quotes into their environments. Where do they put them? How do they decide what quotes to use for what situations? And how do they use them to enhance the existing environment? I'm sure someone has already found a great method to do this. I love this because, of course, I love quotations. I love aphorisms. And I do think she's exactly right that sometimes just finding this very compelling, pithy articulation of an idea just really helps focus you on something, on a value or an aspiration and they're just beautifully said, so it's a pleasure to read them. Yeah, Sarah, my writing partner and co-host of Happier in Hollywood, does this, Gretchen. Yeah. She even had a piece of art commission for her bathroom um, that says, how motivated are you? And when she hung it up, she had it painted so that when it's on the wall, it reflects in the uh, mirror uh, the correct way. Uh. So she's a big believer in that. She also is, always has as her screensaver, a motivational quote. Oh, that's a great idea. For a long time, it was Kill the Croc, which is a long story about a dream Sarah had in which she killed a croc and, you know, conquered her demons. Oh, that's a great way to do it. Uh, we often have the advertiser Framebridge. This is not an ad from Framebridge, <laughs> but I will note they make it super easy to frame things so you could send a JPEG or a photo, you know, that has a quotation on it and get it framed very easily that way. I think people are going to have great ideas about how they've incorporated great quotations and aphorisms. And so send us your solutions. How do you do it? We want to hear and we will pass those along. Yeah, Gretch, mine isn't pretty, but what I do is I write it on a sticky note and just stick it on my computer monitor. Yeah, it's a classic. It works. It's, it works. And now a spotlight on a Black author. This week, the spotlight is on Jason Reynolds. Jason Reynolds is one of the preeminent writers of children's and young adult literature today. As I've said many times, I love children's literature and young adult literature, so I love his work. He has written many best-selling novels, as well as poetry and a graphic novel. His work has won the Coretta Scott King Award, the National Book Award finalist, Kirkus Prize, NAACP Image Award, Newbery Honor Book, a Prince Honor Book, an Edgar Award, uh, various, you know, best books of the year along the way. And in January, he was named as the Library of Congress's National Ambassador for Young People's Literature. So it's kind of a national position. And I have read two of his books. The first is Look Both Ways, A Tale Told in Ten Blocks. 
and Long Way Down. Uh, both of these are terrific. He does very interesting things with structure, which I love uh, interesting things with structure. Um, and I just finished Long Way Down. It has a twist that I will not reveal. I will say I was initially reluctant to read the book because it is in verse, which I was mm -hmm. like, eh. But I'd heard so many good things about it, I decided to give it a go, and I really loved it. And here's uh, about the book. 15-year-old Will's older brother has been shot and killed. Will finds his brother's gun and gets on the elevator to head down from his eighth-floor apartment to get revenge. But it's a long way down to the ground floor, and in each floor, a different person gets on to tell a story. So it's mesmerizing, a super page-turner. And this was interesting. I read about the book. Reynolds was moved to write the book by his visits to juvenile detention centers, where he frequently encounters children caught in a cycle of violence that under slightly different circumstances might have been his own. Reynolds has said that after his own friend's murder, he and other friends planned to seek revenge, but never did so, as the perpetrator wasn't conclusively identified, something he looked back on and realized how lucky that was. So next up from him, I want to read Ghost, which is the first in the series, As Brave As You, All American Boys, and I will throw in, just this March, he published a very timely book called Stamped, Racism, Anti-Racism, and You, a remix of the National Book Award-winning Stamp from the Beginning by Ibram Kendi, which, of course, is like a huge bestseller that nobody can get their hands on now. So this is a reimagining of that book. Mm. So now I'm trying to get my hands on Stamped. So if you like graphic novels, if you like fiction, if you like nonfiction, Jason Reynolds. Sounds great. I want to read Long Way Down. It's really good. Okay, Gretchen, now it is time for a deep dive. In episode 277, we talked about a question from a listener who was frustrated because she and a friend started a film group to see films together and certain friends flaked out over and over. So we asked listeners what they thought about the situation, and we got such a yes. huge response yeah. to this question. So many people responded with really long, heartfelt yes. discussions about the problem, um, and I think what we've realized is that we have all dealt with this, and most of us on both sides. Yes, we have been the flaker and the flaky. Yes. And so to sum up some big responses of categories before we get into particular answers, is that one big theme is that people think it's more polite to say yes. They want to mm -hmm. be friendly and enthusiastic. They have no intention of actually going, but they want to say yes. So they say yes because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Yeah, and what I've noticed is if someone is saying, oh, let's pick a night, like what is a good night for you? It's hard to say no to that because yeah. they're, it's open-ended. You can't just say, well, you know, I have um, a parent six o'clock on never, you know. <laughs> and so, it's, it, so that can make it hard to say no if you really don't have an intention of going. The other thing is if someone offers a date, sometimes you don't want to even get involved in whether it's a yeah. good time or not. So you just say yes to any night yeah. knowing you probably won't go. Right. So you save yourself the hassle of weighing in. Because you're like, eh, I'm not going to go anyway. So part of it is people think it's more polite to say yes. And then there's people who say yes because of the fantasy self. Mm -hmm. The plan sounds good in theory, and they feel really enthusiastic about it when it's in the future. But then the press of real life makes it too hard. Like, life is just too complicated. You, you can't get yourself to go. Or many people pointed out because of social anxiety— a lot of times people want to go, and but then they they become very anxious, and it, and they just— end up feeling like it wouldn't be fun or they don't want to go. Yes. So these these are some big themes. 
And here's an interesting point that I hadn't realized, but it makes perfect sense. Many people pointed out that they wouldn't flake out on a friend, like a one-on-one. But if it's a group get-together, they feel like, oh, it's okay because all these other people are doing it. It doesn't matter if I don't come. And they don't realize, okay, but like three-quarters of the group is doing that. So I thought a whole bunch of friends were going to go out, and now it's just me and my one same friend. So there's something about the group that makes people feel it's kind of the diffusion of responsibility. It seems like it doesn't matter if I come or not, so nobody will care if if I flake. Yes. However, you may not be the only one not showing up, as in the case of the Listener's Film Club. And so suddenly, if a lot of people don't show up, it ruins the whole event. Yeah. And here's an idea. This is a concept that I learned in law school. It's very useful. And it's the idea of acting in reliance. So acting in reliance is like, if you and I have been talking, you're saying you're going to rent my apartment and we don't have a signed contract, but you're like, I'm only going to rent it if you, you know, replace the refrigerator And I'm like, okay, I will. And I do. I've spent money. I've acted in reliance on the fact that you're going to rent this apartment. And then if you're like, "Eh, no, I'm not going to. Well, I'm out money. And so I've acted in reliance. And so here, like you talk about Sarah as a single mom, it's babysitting for her. She's got to arrange that. She's got to pay for that. She's acting in reliance on the fact that people have said yes. And so it's not a costless thing like, oh, I'll just say yes to be friendly Mm -hmm. Where somebody might be acting in reliance and or like maybe there's some they had another opportunity to do something that night and they turned it down because they felt committed to you. So you you want to understand that it's not costless to just say a friendly sure, because that might leave other people in the lurch. Yes. But what we've really got to keep in mind, Gretch, this comes up over and over again. Yeah is to have compassion. Yes. Because often people are dealing with really tough situations and we just don't know about it. Yes. Over and over, listeners explain situations and why other people might not have been aware of them, but why this just ha- they just couldn't do it. And so to cut people slack, show compassion, we've all done it, and to really acknowledge the fact that we don't know about other people's lives. So let's hear what some listeners said. Um, Becca said, sadly, I am a person who cancels on things. I used to cancel much more often than I do now because I noticed this pattern and now I just say no more frequently so I am not in a position to have to cancel. I think there are many reasons people do this, but for many of us, we are overwhelmed. I might hear about an event or an evening or a group and think how wonderful, that is just what I need, that will be great, etc. Inevitably, the week or night rolls around and I think, what was I thinking when I agreed to that? When I cancel, I often feel sad that my life is so hectic that I can't make it work, but I also feel extremely relieved. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a position a lot of people are in. It's like, it sounds great in theory, but the the press of life makes it very hard to do it. And she says she's trying to say no more often so that she isn't flaking out, which I think yes. is good. Holly says, canceling plans is no longer something I battle, but for a period of time, this happened frequently. I would make plans, get ready, buy the gift, purchase the ticket, make the dish to share, and send the I'm on my way text, but never make it out the door. I would take all of those steps to hold myself accountable, but ultimately it wasn't enough. I had crippling anxiety and depression. The worst part was I knew I would feel so much better if I would have gone to the event, movie, party, etc. I would have fun. It would be good for me to get out. Once I canceled, I always felt even worse. Now, not only do I feel bad, but I had let my friends down as well. 
Holly says now she doesn't, this is no longer a battle for her, which is great, but this is something that was going on for her for a time. Yeah. And I think we don't realize how many people have such anxiety around events like this. You and I don't experience that, luckily. Yes. But a lot of people do. Christine said, I have a different spin on last minute canceling of plans. My late husband was an alcoholic. If I had plans and he was drunk and our kids were home, I would cancel at the last minute. I know lots of people just take making breaking plans lightly and that is frustrating, but I just wanted to give another perspective. And that goes, Gretchen, to the idea that we really don't know what's going on in people's lives and that, you know, it's always good to cut them slack. Absolutely. And this is a great, that's a great example. Well, and here's someone raising a new angle. Sam writes, I am someone who flakes out last minute. And I'd say the number one reason why is because the end time of the event or meetup is not respected or there's no end time to begin with. I don't like staying up late and also have a nightly routine I like to do. It makes me not want to go to the book club or especially lately join a Zoom hangout because they tend to drag on forever. It is hard to politely leave a Zoom. It gets old being the first one at an in-person meetup to say gotta go. My advice to any host would be to set an end time and stick (laughs) to it. Okay, good advice. (laughs) Some people don't like having an end time. They think it's rude because it's like, I can only deal with you for these three hours or these two hours. So that could go either way. Right. So it seems like there's a disconnect about what's thoughtful. Is it more thoughtful to say yes and cancel or to say no up front? Yes. So Jenny said, I often agree to social engagements, but I'm an introvert and need a lot of time alone or just at home with my husband and our pets. I am generally uncomfortable at large gatherings, more than six people, and I'm also not the kind of woman who needs a girl's night out. I have a handful of very close friends and definitely make sure that I spend time and energy nurturing these relationships, but do not feel the need for many casual friends as some people seem to have. I will often initially agree to a group social event because I don't want to hurt someone's feelings or maybe even think I might attend, but will almost always cancel the day before because I don't really want to go. I am a rebel, so if I feel any external pressure to attend, I will certainly not attend. Well, one thing I would point out is, okay, so Jenny has her close friends that she really pays close attention to. But I think one reason many people are in, want to do these groups is they're looking to make those close yes. friends. And so if you're not interested in making a close friend, maybe you should say no, because they're like, I'm really looking to forge those friendships, mm-hmm. which you already have. You don't, you're, I'm not that important to you, but I want to find people for whom I am important. Mm-hmm. So again, it's like people are coming to it with like a different set of desires and expectations. Here's a helpful observation from Kathleen. She says, I have a friend who frequently tries to plan variations on the theme of movie night. Now it is my practice to say no. Taken separately, a monthly commitment doesn't seem like much, but when monthly commitments start to accumulate, they become burdensome at the cost of spontaneity. Well, and that's true, Gretchen, like with book group, if you have a book club and a poker night and a mahjong night. And like a parent thing. and Yeah, so I think it's good sometimes to do things every other month. Well, my Kidlet group, we meet every six weeks or maybe every seven to eight weeks, depending on where we are in the calendar, because we did feel like every month was just too frequent and that people would then not come because mm-hmm. it would just be too much. So, yeah, like there's no there's no rule that says things have to be weekly or monthly. You can pick different. You could do it quarterly. You know, you could do it once a year. But, you know, I think the big thing, though, that emerged from what a lot of people said was that we should just remember compassion and to cut people slack. 
But here's the thing where I think people don't know also as the inviter. It's some people said, keep inviting me. I want to come. You know, I'm in a season of sacrifice or someday when the dust settles and my life is more manageable, I would love to come. So don't don't leave me out. Don't forget me. Don't write me off. But then I think other people feel resentful and they feel like yeah. you keep asking me and putting me on the spot and I feel unfriendly and I can't say no every time. So eventually I have to say yes, even though I don't want to. So I think maybe try to be transparent about if you want somebody to keep asking, say, hey, keep asking me one of these days I'm going to come. Or you could just say, hey, I'll let you know when I feel like my schedule's opened up and maybe that's never. Yeah. Tell people what you want because they might be trying to be friendly in what they think you would welcome and they don't realize that it's kind of rubbing you the wrong way. Yes, and Gretch, here's a final note for people who do show up, yeah. which is something you've observed. Yes. First of all, for the people who come, it is a really big drag when people who are there talk about how people flaked out. It can lead to kind of a sour atmosphere. So I wouldn't talk about that a lot when the group is meeting. And I also would say, and I say this, I've said this in many book group meetings, is that I really believe that whoever comes, whatever the number, it is the right number. And I have mm-hmm. been in book group meetings where it's two people, three people. And often those were wonderful meetings. And I just feel like whoever is there is meant to be there. Every person changes the dynamic. And so whoever is there, it's going to be a one of a kind of experience and just embrace it. Whoever is there is meant to be there. Very anyway, good point. It was fascinating to hear people had such passionate responses. Clearly, people have thought about this a lot. Yes. We all deal with it, you know, every day, every month, every year. So it's going to keep coming up. Yeah, it's the calendar. Coming up, Gretchen gives herself a Barnaby-related demerit. But first, this break. Let's talk about some of our favorite socks, features. Yes. Gretch, we are all about walking 20 minutes every day in 2020. And yes. when we are walking, there is nothing worse than socks that get in your way. If they slip down, if the seam digs into one of your toes, it can be torture. I remember a walk that I took years ago because it was so miserable because I had to stop every 10 steps to yank up at my sock. And I, the thing I love about features is they stay in place And they are so cushiony. I have max cushioning and there is nothing I love more than cushiony socks. See why Features has quickly become the number one running sock in America. For listeners of Happier, you can receive $10 off your first pair of Features by going to Features.com and using our code HAPPIER. That's $10 off your first pair when you go to F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S.com and enter promo code HAPPIER at checkout. Again, that's features.com and use our code HAPPIER to get $10 off your first pair of features. Okay, Grouch, it is time for demerits and gold stars, and you are up this week with a happiness demerit. Yes, and this relates to Barnaby, our five-year-old dog. He just had a birthday. So when before we got a dog, I said to my family, if we get a dog, we're going to have a well-trained dog, and I'm just committing to that right now. Okay. Hmm. No, I did not do. I love Darnaby. I'm so glad we have him. He is not well trained. He's not a bad dog, but he is he is not a well trained dog. And there's something that he does not do, which is actually dangerous, which is he will not come when you call for him. Mm-hmm. He comes if he wants, but often he's like, nah, I don't really feel like coming. And so, you know, and we when we first got him, we did the thing where you go Barnaby touch and you would get him to come and he learned how to do it, but we didn't keep up with it. But I realized this is actually dangerous for him because Mm -hmm. if he would get away in some environment, 
and we just can't get him to come when we call, it could be a, a really bad situation. And so I've given myself this demerit and in true demerit fashion, I am I am now pledging that I'm going to work with him on this for the rest of the summer and, you know, keep it going because he can clearly learn how to do these things. He's a very smart dog. It's This is our fault, not his fault. Mm-hmm. So we need to just make sure that we do it. Good. Yeah. Now, Gold Star, let's just take us up. All right, Gretchen. Well, we have given a lot of gold stars to all of the frontline workers during this global pandemic. Post office workers. Yeah. Yes. Many um, transportation workers, workers yes. grocery store, doctors, nurses, all of those people. But I have a new gold star, which is for people who work in restaurants. Mm-hmm. So restaurants are open, I think, in most states to some degree. Yeah. And we, the three of us, Adam, Jack, and I have been going and sitting outside at a few restaurants, just the three of us. And I give such a gold star to the people who are working there because they are really taking measures for it to be safe, wearing masks and a shield and gloves, really having people dedicated to disinfecting the tables in between guests. And it's so great to eat out. I mean, it makes me feel so much more human. That's just a big thing in our family is eating out. So not eating out was a real, something we really missed. And so we just feel so much more normal going to eat out. But obviously, if we didn't feel it was safe, it wouldn't be fun and it wouldn't be something we could do. So I thank those people because I know it's uncomfortable to be all suited up like that and to have the stress yeah. But it's much appreciated. Well, and we just did this this weekend. I had not been to a restaurant since March 11th. I looked at my calendar. My last, I was went to a Greek diner for mm-hmm. lunch on March 11th, or first time back. And it, it didn't matter so much to me, but Eliza was visibly, mm-hmm. like, she was like, this is so great. This is so great. I think for some people, it's this idea of grabbing onto normalcy. And, and you're right. We felt very safe and very comfortable because there were so many measures being taken. And it was a lot of extra work for the people working mm-hmm. there. Yeah, so gold star. It's, it's a real, um, it really adds to the quality of life. Yes. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Join or start a social issues book club. Let us know if you tried it and what you read. Thanks to our producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram, at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend. That is how we get new listeners. And subscribe, rate, review us wherever you listen to your podcast. The resources for this week. If you need a quick jolt of energy and cheer while you're spending time at home, you can download a free bingo sheet with these 42 easy challenges that you can do and just kind of lift your spirits. You can get that at GretchenRubin.com slash resources. Cross them off as you go. Give yourself some gold stars. And if you are looking for some mood boosting music, a while ago, we made the Happier 911 list on Spotify. There is so much great happy music there suggested by listeners. Just search Spotify playlist for Happier 911. And again, these are all listener favorites. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Wait, so Gretch is Barnaby trained at all, or is he basically just potty trained and that's it? <laughs> he is housebroken and he does some tricks for fun. 
but like he's very badly behaved. Like if if there's food on a counter and our backs are turned, he will be on it in a flash. We've you've never seen a dog work, move so fast. So well, you remember Paddywhack, right? Oh, I mean, I, she could get food lightning quick. Barnaby is exactly like Paddywhack. From the Onward Project. <laughs> 